this week. Um, and we're just, I'm just going to pray for Mal and Chriselle, and then they're going to share with us. Um, yeah, and I'm just delighted that you're here, and we're ready to hear whatever you want to share with us, the heart of God. By the way, for those of you who have wondered what's happened to our Churches that Changes That Heal series, we're taking a one-week break from that. We'll be back to the next week. Let me pray for you both. Thank you, Lord, for Mal and for Chriselle. Thank you for their incredible experience as pastors, as parents, and as, a, as foster parents as well. And Lord, as they've come this way and they've prepared um, to share with us this morning, we thank you that this is something, uh, we're not quite sure how or what, but we, we know that this is something that you are doing in our church, something you want to put into the heart of our church. And so, Lord, we want to hear all that you've got to say. We welcome them. We welcome their hearts and their words, and we pray that you bless them and anoint them as they share with us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you having that one? I, don't, I hope so. Brilliant. Well, um, can I just ask one question about that family? Um, have you organized a meal train for them? If you've done that, you're doing a good job as a church. <laughs> That's the main thing. We had a, uh, we had, uh, every time we've had children come and join us, uh, our church has done a meal train for us. And I can't tell you what a difference that makes. And with the teenagers, they've judged the church as they've got to know them by, oh, you were spaghetti bolognese. I really liked you. Yeah, that, we've left some of that. Can you make more of that? And then, oh, you were the ratatouille. <laughs> there was a lot of veg in there. <laughs> All right. Brilliant. That's really good. But hopefully that's a little bit what we'll talk about is, uh, is how can a church wrap around those considering radical hospitality. And I think that's really where we're wanting to uh, land today is to talk about radical hospitality. Um, but that's only to the level of um, our journey has been, I think, particularly, we've been in ministry for over 30 years and have seen God move particularly in the younger generation. Um, our church in Sheffield grew to 2,000 and 80% were under 40. And it was amazing how many people would come to us and say, I want to be a mentor. How can I mentor all these young people coming into, I, you know, how can I coach them? How can I mentor? And the number one thing we'd say to people was, um, uh, are you willing to open your home? Are you willing for people to see what's going on at home? Because people want to see your life. They want to see if it's true. Authenticity and vulnerability are really, really important. And if you want to speak into somebody's life, then actually, are you willing to open your home? Because opening your home, they'll find out if it's true or not. And that's what people want to know, you know? I, I, don't, I don't want to hear what you say as much as find out who you are. Yeah? And even the, uh, I can't hear what you say because I'm not sure who you are. I want to understand who you are. So we're really looking at, I guess, the idea of open home today more than anything. On one level, this last two years has made us think about, in some ways, we were looking at church often as just gathered gathered church 
And then we were forced for two years to look at church as household and only household. And suddenly we're getting a chance, I believe, to look with two eyes. And it's great to be gathered again, but I don't think God is putting his hand off of, I've been doing something with you as households. I've been doing something with you in your key relationships and who you're called to do life with most intentionally and meaningfully. And in that way, we love that you've been in this Changes That Heal series. I hope we're not stopping that. I hope we're a practical of it because what you've done the last two weeks of connection and um, boundaries, uh, looking, at, uh, looking at things that we have to look at on an incredibly uh, deep, outworked level. So um, we loved getting to watch your last couple of weeks going, God, this is good stuff. We loved Dr. Henry and uh, really much. Anyway, um, what we wanted to do was tell you a little bit of our story and then maybe even do a little bit of Q&A if you'd like to and then do a bit of uh, um, what do we sense the Lord is particularly saying to you as Winchester Vineyard as we prayed for you. That sound all right? Great. Who are we? <laughs> um, do you want to talk about them? Yeah, so, so this is um, our family. Um, so Mal and I, and we have three of our own children, Sienna, Amy, and Jaden. And then we have our forever um, long-term foster son um, who joined us five years well, Nearly five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. He joined on 9-11, <laughs> the day the world changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then uh, I think that's us practicing for an album cover. <laughs> uh, yes, and then um, I'm half my time uh, uh, doing pastoring, and then half my time I'm a leadership coach uh, in the wider world, um, and then I'm also a tennis coach uh, one day a week just to keep me going, and Chriselle. What do you do? <laughs> I get very embarrassed when my <laughs> I love dropping this slide in just to embarrass. <laughs> yeah, so I do some silversmithing, which just fits in very well with doing the fostering. So, so this is Chriselle's Etsy site. <laughs> on, uh, and you can see she's a five-star seller. And uh, what I love, we, we spoke at uh, Winchester, um, not Winchester, yeah. uh, Hazelmere. Yeah. Um, vineyard and uh, when it got to this slide everybody got their phones out and started taking pictures of it I said look if you're bored during the talk this is the place to search not expecting that they'd all then put their phones up and take pictures um, it's like you're supposed to do that with the really profound bits <laughs> but yes google chrysels if you get bored during the talk and uh, you can look at some jewelry brilliant um so we've been, uh, we've been married for just about 30 years. Um, I come from a non-Christian um, and quite dysfunctional family. Um, my family was quite, uh, my experience of family was quite broken uh, in lots of ways. Um, having half-brothers and sisters uh, surrounded by affairs and people not committing to each other and addiction. So um, when I came to faith at 18, it was actually seeing a functional Christian family. I got taken to an event and to church and to experience God. But for me, the biggest thing was I saw functional family. 
And whatever happened in that event, I got to go back and ask those people about it. And it's only looking back now that I realize, I think, how formative that has been in how I want to almost do life. Mm. Yeah, I'm um, really privileged to come from an amazing family. And my mum and dad are incredible. And I think as life's gone on, it just makes me realize even more how incredible they were. So I'm one of four. And like Mal said, we met um, over 30 years ago. And um, one of the things we remember, you know, as you're just starting that relationship and, you know, are we going to, is this going to be a thing for life? Which we kind of knew pretty quickly. But we talked about our... First day. (laughs) (laughs) Talked about our love for children. And that's something that we've always had to the point where we're saying, you know, would you like children? Yeah, I'd like children. (laughs) And even said then, you know, I think we could um, do something like fostering and adopting. And it just was there right at the beginning um, but then, as we say, we did get married, we did have our children, and again, it was just always there in the background, um, and we were just waiting to see when the right time was, even when, um, you know, as children do, when they're sort of saying, oh, do you think we'll have any more children, you know, and we'd say, And I'd well. say, biologically, <laughs> it's not possible, <laughs> because uh, we had three in three years, um, and so as we had three, I just looked at Chriselle, and uh, we had three in three years, um, and then when I got sent to the doctor with two bricks, the, the deal was, uh, well, if we had any more, it would be let's foster or adopt, but we kind of didn't really mean it, you know, it was kind of in the background of, well, we don't want any more, we think we're complete as a family, yeah. so we'll pause yeah. now, yeah. but... Then there was this thing going on somewhere in the background that yeah. we only realised our children yeah. understood that we talked about it. That's right. I mean, even to well, we had um, a short time in the States where we lived in the States, and we remember our eldest then because we'd said, you know, maybe this is something for us as family. And her saying then, you know, she was going to go to a children's home as part of the um, children's work that they were doing in church. And she said, Do you think I'll meet our future brother or sister? And we said, well, you know, just pray and see what the Lord says. And she came back and went, nope. <laughs> they went there. But we just, we just held it. Um, and then it was about five years ago. Um, we uh, went to, it was uh, the National Leaders Conference. And Krish Kandaya was talking because they were collecting money for Home for Good at that time. And, um, and he said at that time, you know, there is such a need, 80,000 children in care. But then he said, and this year we need 9,000 new fostering households. And um, I can, it was like a lightning bolt, you know, that again, the Lord is so kind, when he, but it's just like, whoa. It's, and I said to Mal, we're one of those, we're one of those 9,000. Um, this is time, it's now. And um, so we pursued it. Um, and after, after that conference, went back and contacted social services. And that's how our fostering journey began. Yeah. yeah. And we, we, we think there have been five key benefits for us, five ways that we're richer through having engaged with this. Um, the first is we started to meet 
uh, all, as, as a pastor, I felt like I spent all my time with Christians. And suddenly, there was all this world of family placement team and judges and other foster carers and loads of people who, who really uh, who wanted to know your life story. And uh, it, it was an amazing opportunity, this whole arena that, uh, of people that we, we got to know um, suddenly. And then... Um, for our own household, it, it made us uh, start, it, it, uh, we, we really wanted our children's, our birth children's buy-in and to say, are you up for this? The, the advice is normally, um, don't consider taking on a child if you have, uh, you want somebody coming into your home to be at least two years younger than anybody that you've got who's a biological child. And so it was like, well, guys, this is probably going to have implications on you. Uh, how do you feel about it? And how up for it they've been and how much it's been a shared focus for us has been huge. So even today, our, uh, our, our son and foster son are together, and you know, the older one's looking out for the, the next one down, which has been huge for us. Yes. The, the next one has been, it's been, it's kept us um, honest. It's kept the challenges real. It's kept, um, it's kept it that actually uh, our stories aren't getting older. You know, because actually we're getting more and more and more opportunities. Um, and that's not always easy. Our, our boiler uh, died on Friday of all days and leaked. So we've had no hot water or showers. When I got here, I opened up the, uh, I, I, the your loos. I just got the hot water. And I just ran, thank you, Lord, for hot water. Especially how icy it was this morning. And then the boiler had leaked everywhere. But, um, but for a child who's experienced trauma... Uh, anything that is a change, that is an unexpected change, creates more hassle, creates significantly more hassle. So Friday night was a nightmare in our house, not just because we had leaks and things, but actually what it was doing emotionally and ten tensions uh, in the house and, and how do we respond. So it's kept us honest and real and kept things current. It's also... Um, uh, given us a way bigger sense of extended family. Um, when Jake came to join us five years ago, he had an Instagram account. And the first uh, uh, thing I realized was there were 168 people who followed him. And it was just the idea of we're going to get to know all those people. Suddenly there's this hinterland of 168 other people in our in our lives. And some of them, the, those who've been most committed to him, uh, we were asked to do the funeral of one of them in December, um, who we met with every week because she had contact time. She was the great grandma. Uh, uh, we, uh, we've been asked to have power of attorney uh, with, with some of these people. And they've just invited um, them, uh, they've invited us uh, into, uh, our into their lives. But probably the maddest uh, story for us has been um, just as we, we already had our long-term child and then social services came to us and said, um, we, we've got an emergency situation with a, a baby that's not born yet. Uh, would you be up for a newborn? 
And, uh, and we thought, well, we're just about to turn 50. Uh, we, we can either have a 100th birthday party or we can foster a newborn. Uh, which should we do? <laughs> which should we have done? But that's a big question. And then we said to our... Uh, and then we said to our kids, um, what, uh, how do you feel about it? And our son said, uh, mum, dad, I'm up for, uh, I'll, you know, I'll do more cooking and I'll look out for you more and all that kind of thing. Um, but don't expect me to do nappies or, <laughs> or do anything like that. And you can see that within six weeks, she literally had him in the palm of her hand. <laughs> and uh, he was doing all kinds of things, including, uh, Nappy including nappies. <laughs> yeah, um, that uh, watching our two uh, at that time, our two foster children um, care for each other was incredible. Seeing two guys who who'd experienced abandonment care for each other was incredible. Even times when the older one was uh, was upset. And the younger one uh, would actually, as she started to toddle, she would walk over to him and come and comfort him when she saw that he was upset. Was <laughs> was unbelievable. Um, we also have have had other children. We've we've fostered uh, ten children now, um, and this was uh, not all of them long term. These three arrived on emergency one night. They were in in another part of the UK, not that far from here. And uh, their, their mum was, uh, was in a secure house, in a refuge, and that got, her security got breached. And that day, her children had to go into care. And uh, to have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a four-year-old come and join us uh, that day was, was incredibly uh, powerful as well. Um, other ways our, our family have extended is that uh, um, in the end, this one, this little one, uh, um, it was always hoped that she would either get to get back with her birth parents or uh, be adopted and join some of her siblings. And um, she got to join some of her siblings. And um, the day that we met her her. her her new family, um, the start of that process, the handover process to adoption was phenomenal. But probably the most exciting bit of it was um, the second day that we met with the social workers there, the, um, the two dads said to, uh, said to the social workers, um, could you give us a few minutes, please? Um, we'd like just to talk with Mel and Chriselle. And the social workers left and they said, um, we want to thank you, and uh, we want you to know we'd like you to be part of our family forever. And uh, would you be uh, godparents to this one? And we want to invite you into our family life forever, is how they put it. And uh, yes, um, we both burst out crying <laughs> straight away. And... Uh, the privilege of journeying with that household over the last four years has been incredible. 
and to see them sacrifice so much to be amazing parents and to cheer them on and to regularly, in lockdown particularly, Zoom and Skype rather than see them. But uh, uh, we've even got to do a sleepover uh, with them and, and hang out together uh, as well. Um, yes, which takes on to the final way that uh, it's been huge for us is that it's given us so much fresh understanding of how our Heavenly Father feels about us. Um, On one level, I love that you're doing the changes that heal stuff, but the whole point of it is we need to be healed so that we can then go and heal. If you want to be accepting of others, you need to know that you're accepted. So if I want to accept those coming into my remit, I need a fresh encounter with Jesus that I'm accepted to be able to accept. And I remember this is out in our house, our garden room, and uh, that little one, Chriselle would look after her and do the tough yards, the night session. And then in the morning, I'd have the early morning from about 5, 5.30 uh, with her. And I remember that she and I were chatting and... Uh, that was her favourite toy, um, Tesco's uh, strawberry belts, <laughs> you know, the uh, fizzy belts. And, um, and uh, I was just reading Matthew 18. And I've always looked at Matthew 18 the same way that Henry Cloud mentioned it in the talk a couple of weeks ago around conflict and boundaries. You know, if you have an issue with somebody, go to them and... Uh, uh, if, you, if there's still an issue, take somebody else. If you still have an issue, um, bring the leadership in to it. Um, I'd always thought, that's, have you done Matthew 18 with them? That's always what I thought. And then I was just reading the start of Matthew 18. And um, Matthew 18, the start of Matthew 18 is Jesus talking about children. And those famous verses are that um, whoever wants to be great in the kingdom must become like a child. But then verse 5 blew my socks off talking to this little one. Because it says, whoever welcomes one of these little ones in my name welcomes me. And I literally had this baby on my knees and just started to cry going, Jesus I welcome you. I welcome your presence. I welcome who you are in this little one. And I, I experience you as I experience the presence of this little one. As she knows she's accepted, may I know that I'm accepted by you. As you know, all the things of, Lord, I experience you. I welcome you as we welcome these little ones. So that's what that photo means to me. (laughs) Um, It's also been really profound. There's so much theology that becomes different living this way. Psalm 68, where God says he sets the lonely in families. Suddenly you live it in a different way. And uh, a friend of ours, we... uh, we just want to show you a little video of a friend of ours. He was our friend in our 20s, and uh, I remember being really competitive with him. And then they came and joined our church in Sheffield, 
and they started uh, fostering um, before we did. And um, here's a little interview uh, with him. Just about. For me, one of the one of the themes in the Bible that really sp spoke to me and and does and speaks to me in, into the whole adoption and fostering is is the adoption that we have as Christians into the family of God. The fact that God has adopted us as sons uh, through what Jesus did, and that theme of adoption, that theme of inclusion. Um, just uh, basically kind of gives me a model for my response uh, as a father. Um, and although the children that we foster, you know, we are foster carers and we, we have to make sure that we have that kind of separation. The fact is these kids come into the world with such a rubbish start. They have such a poor start and some kind of um, of fatherhood experience, you're providing that in the early years. You're, it, for us, we do babies, so where I'm providing some kind of fatherhood model, and I just want to reflect the fatherhood of God in some way. God adopts us as sons and daughters into his family, and that model of adoption is such a core part of the Christian message. It's such a core part of what it means to be a Christian, um, that we have been taken from outside to inside in the family. So f for me, there is, a, there is a question as to why wouldn't you do it? Because it's so fundamental. We talk about the fundamentals of the faith and, and, and people are very, uh, very keen to look at various good works and, and evangelism and missionary. But actually this is something that is, fun this is, this is part of the very essence of what it means to be a Christian, which is to be adopted into the family of God. And therefore it's not an extra, it's not, it's not something that is um, sort of a, a alien at all to, to being a Christian. This is, this is something that is part and parcel and so I, I think that it is something that um, is so core to, to being a Christian that we, I have to ask myself, um, why, why wouldn't I do it? And I do find it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do at times and being, my wife is the primary carer and so I'm really kind of backing her up and assisting her um, and it does come with a cost and it does alter family and it does, uh, it does have its, its downsides but actually that's what life is about actually it's it's a fundamental it's it's something of value and things of value come with a cost I, I say that to a lot of people if you're going to do something in life that has value it's always going to come with a cost um, and this journey of fostering and adoption that we've been on has come with a cost but it's also been probably the most uh, amazing and, and rewarding thing I've ever done I was by our, fo our, our foster child's cot and I was just looking at him and I did really think, this kid's come into life with such a poor start, you know? He's, he's missing out on so much of uh, that, that touch of parents, that, that fatherhood. And if I can be there a little bit and give some of that back in, if I can, if I can bridge that gap just a little bit, then actually that's something worth doing and that's something that 
um, just echoes a little bit of the Father heart of God into his life at this stage. So, I, and, and that is something that keeps me going. We wondered if there was, we'd love to just tell, um, get to pray in a moment and just tell you what we sensed, um, what do we believe the Spirit's saying to you guys as a community. But is there anything that's like, I've got some questions about this that I really want to, I've got something bubbling in me right now. Um, if you've got that, we'd love to hear. Dun, 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 no pressure. Great. I'll take that as acceptance that you're all up for it. <laughs> um, there, there is neither age limit, situation, gender limit. No, nothing. Do you know, actually, really the best, that there's a few old ladies in our council who are this kind of little mafia. <laughs> who are amazing. Um, but they are all much older ladies with insomnia. And, 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 uh, and they take the zero to threes. So, and uh, one of our co-foster, uh, uh, sorry, godparents, she, she fostered one of the siblings, two of the siblings of, of the ones that, that we had from birth. And, but she was more used to the nights <laughs> than we were. Um, also, we, we have two friends in Bristol who are single women, and uh, they both felt the real call of God on this, and um, they've actually, uh, they've just adopted as well as fostered, um, as, and council are really happy with it. The number one they want, thing they want to know is, um, do you have an accepting heart? Is your heart soft and accepting of these children? Because that's the number one thing. I don't know, um, you know, the, the, the number that you, you covered attachment theory a couple of weeks ago. The number one thing, you know, we get psychologists, we have to have loads of training in this, which is brilliant. It all adds to our armory. But there's a thing called pace, which is a response to how do you invest in good attachment? And it's an acronym. And the first thing is, are you able to be playful? And are you able to be accepting? Are you able to be curious? And are you able to be empathetic? That's the job description. I don't think it matters what your age, gender, life circumstance is. It's can you pace? Because if you can pace, you can heal attachment wounds. There you go. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, there's different. Yeah, so if short term actually is classed anywhere between, well, you know, a night to two years. So it doesn't sound very short term. So the baby we had was short term and we ended up having her 15 months. Um, and that depends on their court, yeah. their, 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 their identity in terms of court. Yeah, so it's normally where a child has been taken into care and they're having to sort out what the future is. Um, then long term is for up until the child is 18 and there are now more 
um, initiatives set up to help children once if they do go on to further education or or you know just still have that connection with the family that that can be beyond 18. Mm. Um, the, the goal is that they make it to adulthood in a healthy setting because the statistics are something like uh, 70 percent of people in prostitution similar in prisons have experienced the care system but if they make it to adulthood in a healthy setting they're going to be on a path that is different so so it's we we said to our little man um you're joining our forever family from our perspective and we are always going to accept you whatever happens which was an interesting one as he started secondary school and said to his mates so my mum and dad have said they'll accept me whatever i do <laughs> <laughs> well kind of <laughs> Let me refer you to Henry Clough's chapter on boundaries um, to, to go with that. But brilliant. Can we tell you just? Uh, can we almost bring this into land of just what do we sense the Lord uh, had for you as we were praying for you? Um, there was a couple of different things. Um, one was Luke seventeen verse ten. Um, Jesus uh, is responding to the disciples saying, increase our faith. Like, this is tough. He's actually talking about forgiveness, the context is. You know the 70 times 7? And their response is, that's a lot. That's a high bar. Increase our faith. You know, I think it was almost said in desperation. Oh, increase our faith. How do we do this? Yeah. And his answer was to tell a story about the parable of a servant. And um, he tells the story of a servant who, he says, Does, did, did that servant sit down with his master and assume to be waited on hand and foot? He said, no. What he did, the servant would respond to his master and say, we are, we are unworthy servants who are only doing our duty. We're only be being told what we've already been told to do. And I felt like the Lord was just wanting to remind you of what do you know you've already been told to do? What are the things that somewhere in your journey, I believe that it's been even stirring up memories of, I know there are things he's already put on my heart that I've been told to do that fit with the things that I know I've already been told to do in Scripture. You know, we don't need to know that we're supposed to pray or fast or give if we read Matthew 6. Because <laughs> we've already been told to do them. You know, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. And actually, Zechariah 7, 9, and 10 is quite clear on what God's heart is for. For the orphan, for the widow, for the poor, and for the refugee. And we've already been told to do those things as a priority. I remember first going into prison and the guys leading our prison ministry saying in the car park afterwards, after we'd gone through 17 locked doors to get out from worship, um, saying, we can't deny that we've definitely done something that Jesus told us to do this morning. And that just felt so good. What's he already told you to do around this arena? What do you know? There's something already on my heart because I think he wants to come and breathe on that this morning. 
And I think there's also something of a Joshua call on you, which is being strong and very courageous. And it was interesting even just praying with the team beforehand and hearing that some of the kids' work was going to be about um, having no fear. Um, and that sort of, yeah, that felt very um, right. But over you as a whole church, it's being strong and very courageous. That that's what you'd be known for mm. as a community of people. And I think that fits with that accepting message. Because if perfect love, the verses say, perfect love pushes off all fear, because fear is to do with punishment. If you know there's something in you that's to do with actual fear, it's scripture is joining the dots of, then where do you think you're not accepted? Where is it that actually I'm afraid that God wants to punish me? not embrace me whilst the good news of Jesus the good news of the prodigal is whilst we are still far off he runs to us and I felt that was for some of us this morning just a I, I want a fresh touch Lord of knowing that acceptance and pushing off that fear and that that would not define me or my household um, and then there's one other thing I'd love to pray into. But um, if, that's, if that's for you, if you just know you, you want a fresh touch from the Lord this morning, that it's a season to be courageous, then actually I think standing is often a mark of, Lord, I'm actually stepping out to say, I want to know that, to, to, to be bold and courageous afresh and to receive your acceptance that pushes off Perfect love pushes off all fear because fear is to do with punishment. If you know that's for you, can you stand? Thank you. I think there's something about as you step towards the Holy Spirit and get almost open yourself up to him, it gives an, a permission for him to come and meet you all the more. So thank you for stepping out. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to increase right now. Increase in this room with that we want to be carriers of your love in broken vessels we know, but we want more of you this day. And we just declare over you to be bold and courageous, where you are called to step out in faith. We pray, Holy Spirit, just come and equip and impart right now. And come and equip and impart to push off any fear that is to do with disappointment or that you aren't going to follow through. But you are the God who said, I know who you say that you are. So we receive your acceptance afresh. We receive your love. We receive your empowering presence. Just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Just more. Some of you, he's revealing truth to you at new levels. Just that verse from Psalm 119 of, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you.
there's some word, there's scripture, I think, that's just being placed in your mind. I think for one of you, it might be Hebrews 11, verse 6. Um, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anybody who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Sense of the Lord rewarding you as you earnestly seek him right now. And I'd like just keep being ministered to. And I'd love us to pray for um, one other group. And that is those of you who feel like um, we, we think the Lord's maybe increasing the call on us in this area of being an open household, in being a, almost more radically uh, open. It doesn't necessarily mean fostering or adoption. Before we did that, we had so many people live with us, and I think it prepared us in so many ways. And I think it's just that I, I'm called that my household is an open place. And it's, this isn't age-defined. This is much a grandparent call. Um, the grandparent call, I believe, is Psalm 78, verse 4. I want to declare the power of God to the next generation. And the way I declare the power of God is both in my words, but how people see me. Our church in, in, uh, in Sheffield was defined, I think, by a lady. If you know the golfer, Danny Willett, um, his grandma was called Celia, Celia Willett. And she was in her 80s. But she was the Psalm 78 verse 4 person that that released something to the young people in our midst because of the way she declared the power of God. So if you know that you are called almost to household, to openness, to, to almost living into that Psalm 78 for I want to show in words and deeds that the power of God through my household... Um, I'd love you to stand and stick your hand up. And then everybody who isn't, that isn't, um, we're going to gather around you and you've just become ministry team. You're appointed and anointed because you didn't stick your hand up. (laughs) Does that sound all right? Great. Brilliant. Can we do that? Can we gather around some of these guys or just extend your arms to them? Thank you, Lord, that right now we're talking about houses that change the world. I think there's people online as well where you know this is the call on you. And uh, it's like, I don't want to miss out on that. Well, we pray that right now over you, that you are not missing out on this. Just open yourself up to the, to the presence of God. And in your home where you are, we bless your homes as houses that change the world. That what the Lord is doing amongst you. 
And thank you, Lord, for each of these households right now. Thank you, Lord, for the heart of, these, of, of those saying, we want to see you at work. We want to see you at work more. And we pray for open doors. We pray for the places that you would, um, where you promise that you will open doors that logically shouldn't open and close doors that look obvious, that you would be opening doors that, that are unexpected opportunities. Lord, where we've seen that with the council, um, we pray that over you for your setting, for your relationships, for your dynamics, for the opportunities of your household. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we really pray for your anointing and your hand of blessing. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that... um, that to welcome actually means to gladly receive into companionship. And Lord, we pray that capacity for gladly receiving is increased. And Lord, that people that come along that would be maybe unexpected, Lord, that they would be gladly received. And so your, your heart and your glory would be shown and revealed. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, as we uh, we'll we'll bring the service to an end in a moment, and uh, and continue to pray and just minister for those who uh, experience a touch of the of the Holy Spirit revealing what the Father is doing for them. But Lord, we commit each of our ways to you and our world to you. We ask for the wisdom that we need to live into what you have for each one of us. We pray for an impartation of your wisdom, not just for us, but for a world that desperately needs it this day. And Lord, in all that we go into through the rest of this day and this week, we ask you to go with us in power, leading us into all truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.